We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder, covering the 49ers for all you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And man, oh man, we went through it today, didn't we, folks? Uh, 49ers dropping a tough one to the Atlanta Falcons, 14-228. Pretty ugly game. Pretty ugly game. I mean, there were it was weird. You know what? I'll retract that. I'll say it was a... It was an up and down game. I mean, at some point, you know, the Cardinals, or excuse me, the Falcons, I'm going to get all my birds confused this whole podcast. You guys watch. Falcons came out and put some points on the board really, really quickly. 49ers took a little while, then they put some points on the board really, really quickly. And it was just this weird back and forth game of problem after success, after problem after success, after a little mistake. After shooting yourself in the foot, after doing something good, then shooting yourself in the foot again. It was just such an odd dichotomy of everything that can happen in a game and all the ways in which you can try to get make you lose a football game. It was very tough to watch. Now, right off the bat, I'm just going to jump into it because I'm sure some of you guys, or, or I'm sure a lot of you guys follow me on Twitter. I um, met really the briefest tweet. Jimmy Garoppolo at one point when they're trying to go down the field and score, it was a scramble drill. Jimmy rolls out to the right and just chucks it downfield, and it goes over George Kittle's head. And I didn't realize I was saying anything controversial. All I literally wrote was, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew George Kittle in the end zone. And everybody was like, that's not an overthrow. George Kittle should have gone this direction. He would have been in a perfect spot. And, of course, everything in the moment is probably not exactly how it seems. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I went back and looked at the play because I was like, man, was I like way off? And of course not. I wasn't way off. I'm not saying I was 100% right, but if you go back and look at this play, it's on my Twitter right now. George Kittle runs his route right around the same time when Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, obviously he's running his route. Then Jimmy Garoppolo has to 
scramble off. Hopefully that kept recording right there. For some reason, my computer all of a sudden decided it needed to do a, a virus thing. Anyways, we're moving. George Kittle runs his route. That's when Jimmy Garoppolo has to scramble. He turns around, starts running towards the sideline. I, I guess you could say sort of towards the sideline, sort of towards the, the first pylon. And Jimmy throws the ball, and it goes about two to three feet over George Kittle's head, a fully jumping and outstretched George Kittle. I even posted the uh, the picture in the replies. Like, he's jumping and his hand, hands outstretched. And I'd say the ball is at least one to two feet above his hand. So it wasn't particularly close. So you see that, and you're like, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew George Kittle. And everybody was like, no, and he should have headed to the pylon. And so I went back and looked at the play. And it, it's just this whole mixture of things. And really what it comes down to is it's it's stupid to analyze football this closely. Like, yes. I mean, if you guys just think about kind of like drawing a line to the edge of the cir- of edge of a circle, you know, kind of like establishing a radius. You're in the center. You're drawing a line to the end. Let's say you've got a string that goes to the edge of the circle. You know, that's how you figure out radiuses. If George Kittle would have gone, you know, let's say he his was pretty flat towards the first pylon, the close pylon. Well, sure, he could have head to the top pylon, but now you've got to grab your little your radius string and move it up towards the top pylon. Now, not only does, yes, he get deeper upfield, but because of the way mathematics and physics work, yes, he's deeper upfield, but he's actually further infield because instead of running towards the sideline a little bit, he had to run further upfield. It's just the way math works. You can kind of like probably envision it in your head if you're like a a mental person like that. Or, you know, I don't know what you you have a good imagination, I guess. And so in either way, if you look at the pass, by the way, George Kittle had to really leap up and put one hand up and still couldn't get to it. Either the pass was high where George Kittle was or was both high in a way if he went to the pylon. Should he have gone to the pylon? Of course. But my little follow up tweet on this was. This reminds me of the end of the movie Sully. If you haven't seen Sully, the airplane movie, incredible. Tom Hanks does an outstanding job. This reminds me of the movie Sully when everyone is like, why didn't you just immediately go to where you needed to go? And Sully was like, because I'm human and I hadn't figured it out yet. Like, obviously, everybody watched Jimmy Garoppolo throw a pass that would have been easier to catch had George Kittle gone straight for the pylon. But at this time, George Kittle didn't have any idea where Jimmy Garoppolo was going to throw the ball other than Jimmy Garoppolo's little half-second point um, forward down the field. It was, it's a silly conversation, one that I probably shouldn't even be entertaining. But I figured, you know, this is my podcast. I'm going to jump on here and explain. So I, I, I guess you could say my buddy KP put it best. Uh, we were texting. He's like, no one's really wrong. But either way, it, it would have been an incredibly tough to play to make even if he did everything perfectly right. And my point being, you know, and, and if you go back and look at the play too, everybody was like, well, if he goes upfield, he has more separation. And you're basically saying, if you look at it, the corner's right next to him. The only reason Kittle creates separation is because like right as the pass is thrown, I don't know if he does a little push off. Let's see, I'm watching it right now. Does he do a little push off? He does a little bit of like, yeah, he does a little push off with one hand which gives him the the separation he needed to be even in position to make a catch. If he just heads to the pylon, he doesn't have that separation anymore. The corner's just going to follow him upfield. So it's it's as if people are acting like, well, if George Kittle heads to the pylon, he's got more space. Sure, if you're just expecting the corner to just do nothing and keep going towards the sideline like a robot. Um, You know, I was talking to Eric Crocker about it too, and he's like, yeah, sure. He heads upfield. He's further upfield, but the corner's in better position. 
and he only got that separation because he pushed off to begin with. It was a good push off. It was a veteran push off, one that doesn't earn a flag. But anyways, as you can see, I've given this a fair amount of thought. But in the end, I, people were acting like, uh, you know, I had, oh, I can't remember his name. Hold on, where's he at? Uh, Zane. I don't know his full name. What's Zane's full name? I've been following Zane for quite some time. He does the No Huddle, no, no Huddle podcast on podcast in 49ers web zone and he uh he kept his composure <laughs> and decided to he was like well this is how narratives get established because people say stuff like this and then you go back and look at the play and it's like it's not that extreme at all it was very normal to think it was an overthrow it would have probably been overthrown no matter what would Kittle have had a chance to do some incredible diving catch if he headed to the pylon maybe he might have been close I wouldn't put it past George Kittle but the fact that that this was me apparently trying to weave some false narrative. Like go look at my Twitter. I said a million good things about Jimmy Garoppolo because he was playing pretty well up until a point. So it was a really silly exchange. One that I feel dumber having participated in, but it's okay. It is what it is. What else are we going to do? I got time, I guess you could say. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into the game. Um, like I said, just a really ugly game. And in the end, you got to look at it this way. You got to start with the injuries. Okay. And, and Injuries are not an excuse, um, but they are a reality. It is what it is. The 49ers absolutely went through it in this game when it comes to the injuries they were going into the game with and the injuries that they sustained during the game that were really quite alarming. And I'm hoping it's not more turf stuff. Uh, you know, I wish I had the medical acumen to, to, to throw as much mud at turf as I could. I know that a lot of people don't want to play it anymore. And if they do have to play on it, they want it to be standardized so they can get used to playing on it. I mean, wouldn't that be sick if at the 49ers practice field, they had a grass field, uh, there are two grass fields and either added another field or had one grass field and one standardized turf field that they could constantly practice on and get used to. Um, but there are studies that say that you're like 25% more likely to get uh, a lower body injury on turf than on natural grass. And I actually saw somebody on Twitter say 25% is not a lot. Like, okay, start paying 25% more in gas right now and save 25% on something and not be appreciative of it. Like 25% is a lot. That's the difference between 100 player, you know, 10 players getting hurt and 12 and a half players get hurt. Shout out to that half a player. Anyways, it's a big deal. And if you're trying to, trying to create an atmosphere where you're, it's all about player safety. You can't just roll out turf, let alone any type of turf with very little regulation that gets players hurt. I don't know. But again, not a doctor, but I have seen studies by doctors saying that there's a significantly higher risk of injury on turf than it is on natural grass and natural grass. And to me, if the injuries, if the risk is 5% more then it shouldn't be there. If the risk is any percent more, then it shouldn't be there. Yeah, I get it. People live in weird towns, hard to get water, whatever. Like, just figure it out. Figure it out. It, it, you know, the, the NFL has a ton of money. They can figure this stuff out. If they can have a grass field in the middle of Arizona, in the middle of the desert, we can figure it out. Even Green Bay has a grass field that becomes like hard as ice towards the end of the year. But y'all know what I'm saying. Anyways, I'm going on too long. So I'm going over to Jake Hutchison's Twitter. If you don't follow Jake, please follow Jake. Jake's a good dude. Jake's good people. He's the 49ers beat writer for KNBR. Um, here, here is the all of the injuries affecting the 49ers at the point in time of the Falcons game. Obviously, we, starting with Trey Lance, ankle fracture, out for the year. Elijah Mitchell, 
still on his MCL sprain since week one. Tyler Croft, still MCL sprain since week two. Jordan Matthews, torn ACL, out for a year. Uh, Trent Williams, still dealing with his high ankle sprain, out since week four. Colton McKivitz, had a knee sprain, couldn't play. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, had a calf injury. He was hobbled in the first half, did not return, was eventually ruled out. Nick Bosa, um, Kyle Shanahan said he could have played today, but they were being safe with him. He had a groin injury. This is his only career absence from the tor- since, aside from the torn ACL in 2020. Could return next week. Samson Ibukam, evaluated twice on the sidelines, stated that he was obviously going through it. Kyle Shanahan said it was knee Achilles tendonitis. Uh, Jordan Willis, knee, underwent cleanup, is on IR. Javon Kinlaw, he's been out since week four, placed on IR this week, which means he's going to miss another four weeks at least. And uh, they're hoping that he basically uses that time to get healthy and then comes back after the bye week. Eric Armstead still dealing with foot and ankle problems, multiple week injury. He's been out since second half of week four. Maurice Turst, torn biceps out for the season. Aziz Alshire, MCL sprain. Dimitri Flanagan Foles, knee injury. Uh, left late in the game. His status is unclear. Manuel Mosley, torn his, tore his ACL last game. He's out for the year. Jarvarius Ward, the, the starting corner opposite Emmanuel Mosley. Left with a groin injury, walked into the locker room at halftime, did not return. Jason Brett, started practice this week and his recovery from another ACL. Um, he had soreness, which delayed his return to the game. Jimmy Ward broke his hand last week. He's going to be reevaluated next week. Fractured hand immediately after returning from IR with hamstring injury. So, and then I'm going to jump straight over to this. Chris Biederman, friend of the pod, excellent dude. Uh, pretty much everything I have in the 49ers land is because of him. Um, Candlestick Chronicles. 49ers are now missing both starting tackles, both starting corners, three starting defensive linemen, their starting safety, their starting running back, their starting quarterback, and their starting linebacker. So, again, you cannot use – I mean, injuries are just a fact of the NFL. It's a brutal sport. They're going to happen all the time. But teams, some teams get affected worse than others. Um, I think it was NBC Sports uh, – no, it was Fox NFL. Um, put out their, uh, their, basically here's every team ranked from most healthy to least healthy entering the NFL in week six, who's number 32, the 49ers with a rating of 60.4 for comparison's sake, the Philadelphia Eagles have a rating of 89.3. The 49ers are dead last right behind the Cardinals. The Rams aren't that much further up there. They're in 26 and Seattle's right next to them at 25th. So the 49ers are absolutely going through it when it comes to injuries, and that changed this the look of this game. The look of the 49ers changed. They have faced offenses better than the Falcons and held them scoreless, and then they face the Falcons and they give up 28 because they just, you know, you're talking about um, a player that's not as skilled, not as talented, coming in and replacing a starter. Then you're talking about all the chemistry that that starter had built up with the other starters. That's now gone. This player is doing his absolute best to to you know fill the role that that starter occupied, and it just it just did not look like the 49ers that we'd seen, and you could just see why at the surface there were other mistakes that happened, other stuff that happened, but just at a, at a on a surface level, the way the injuries have impacted this team early on are brutal, 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 brutal. So that kind of has to be addressed right at the gate, just so you're almost setting the scene for what happened because it just did not look like the same team that completely handled or that that pretty convincingly handled the Panthers 
last week, handled the Rams the week before. It's um, you know, it's uh, it, it's just it's just a weird point, you know. And now next week, yes, they're coming home, but they're getting greeted by the Chiefs. That just got beat by the uh, the Bills again in a. Uh, no, I can't say again. The last time they played, the Chiefs won, right? That was a crazy game. Chiefs just lost to the Bills. Maybe they'll be a little down and out. Maybe, they, maybe they'll be a little tired. I don't know. I'm just I'm just doing my best here for the 49ers. All right, so let's get into uh, to more of the game notes here. Some brutal, brutal tur- turnovers. Um, in the first half, Jeff Wilson Jr. had a, had a, had a fumble six, essentially. I'm trying to think of where that was. I guess it doesn't count as a possession, does it? Because they just picked it up and scored. Yeah, second drive of the of the day for the 49ers. Jeff Wilson Jr. fumbled. Basically, the Falcons came out and scored. 49ers came out and went three and out. Then the defense forced a punt. 49ers got that punt. Three plays later, Jeff Wilson Jr. fumbles. The Falcons defense picks it up, takes it in for six. And you're already in a 14-0 to zero hole which completely alters everything the offense has to do. You you have to, you know, rather than being able to pound the rock how the 49ers want to, create third and shorts, they're throwing the ball, and every incomplete pass is just a huge step back. It was tough. It was tough for the 49ers to recover from that type of thing because they're not a recover from a da- from being down type of team. They want to get up. They want to be able to run the ball. They want to force you to make mistakes. And frankly, they want to be able to rely on the defense. And the defense they're relying on was not the same 49ers defense we saw last week. And it's changing rapidly with all these injuries. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, obviously he's at the forefront of the offense. He was a little erratic. I mean, I want to say he had a good game. But there were just some things here and there that were just a little odd. He did complete 70% of his passes, 29 for 41, almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So by all means, not not a horrible game. And then you've got Marcus Mariota, who didn't, throw an incomplete pass until the fourth quarter. He was 13 of 14, 92% for 129 yards. That tells you what the Falcons were able to do without even me telling you yet right there. He only threw for 129 yards, but he still threw for two touchdowns. Jim Garoppolo, on the other hand, you know, he had a throw to high to Debo Samuel uh, that the defender met him at the catch point. Ball was tipped, and then uh, another DB was able to come down with it. Um then the other interception wasn't really, I mean, it was an interception. He threw to Debo Samuel in triple coverage right before the end of the half, and it was picked off. Uh, so, I mean, from a stat sheet's perspective, that that first interception was not exactly one that you would kind of blame him for. It was like just a last-second shot before the end of the half. But the other interception was in the second half when the 49ers were scrambling. And, uh, you know, at that point, you just can't really make mistakes like that. And I, it wasn't a, an egregious interception from Jimmy Garoppolo. If you watch the play, Jimmy uh, Debo Samuel was open over the middle, and but the other defensive back that was covering a deep, deeper route realized the 49ers were going to try and go to Debo, came off his route, and broke up the pass with sent it up into the air and was eventually picked off. So it was just a tough play. Could the pass have been caught if it was a bit lower? Yes, the refs did throw a pass interference penalty on that play and chose to pick it up. I don't know what goes into that conversation. Um, on the other hand, with you know defending Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit, about 75 passing yards was left on the ground when Ray-Ray McLeod dropped a perfectly placed deep ball by Garoppolo as he was being hit. That would have gone for probably 50 yards or a touchdown if 
McLeod would have kept his footing. It didn't look like he would have kept his footing if he caught it, but huge play. And then in the second half, you had an incomplete pass to tight end Charlie Warner right down the middle of the field. Perfect throw, hit him in the hands. There was definitely yards after the catch to be had, and he just straight up dropped it. Uh, So that was about 75 more yards of offense that the 49ers weren't able to have because of those two drops. And that just, you're talking about those misplays plus Jimmy Garoppolo's interception, plus Jeff Wilson's fumble that immediately gave them seven points. You know, you can think of that as almost like a 14-point swing. Maybe the 49ers would have scored seven on that drive. Instead, they're giving, just giving Falcons seven and then getting the ball back again. So, I mean, you could see how quickly you can beat yourself in the game of football. It's wild. It really is. Um, there was a, a couple other missed throws from Jimmy Garoppolo. There was that deep throw in Ayuk. That looked like a jump ball, like that, like Jimmy Garoppolo was just throwing it up. But if you watch the route, Ayuk was coming over the the middle and had created separation. If that ball was thrown just outside, you know, maybe closer to the right hash, um, rather than right down the middle of the field, Ayuk probably could have just kept traveling and, and been underneath it and caught it. But instead, it was thrown up oh, right over the top of him, and they both basically he and the DB just had to stop, and it was just like a jump ball that he didn't catch. Um, but, you know, deep throws are low percentage throws to begin with. So it's, it's when they do deep throws that aren't completed, I really try not to fault Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, contrary to what everybody was saying earlier, I, all I said was Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew George Kill, and everybody was like, what a horrible take. And it wasn't even a take. I just said what happened on the play. It, the ball literally went over. So anyways, just, a, just like I said, just an up and down game of – Self-inflicted wounds, whether it was a Jimmy Garoppolo mistake, whether it was somebody dropping a Jimmy Garoppolo ball, it was just wild to watch. It was wild to watch. And, um, I mean, on the bright side of things, when it comes to the offense, I should probably save this for my standouts. Yeah, I'll save it for my standouts. We'll keep going. And, and to me, here's, here's what ended up being my take from this game. The 49ers got 49ered. The way 49ers beat people, was how the Falcons beat the 49ers. The Falcons went 9 of 14 on third down. Of their 289 yards of total offense, 168 of it came on the ground. That is like your 49ers recipe for winning a football game. The Arizona Arizona Cardinals, how many have I probably said that already and not even realized it. The Atlanta Falcons, the other birds, cooler logo, Ran the ball 40 times. 40 times. That is the that is taking the page out of the 49ers recipe for success. If the 49ers, like Gordon Ramsley, had his one key dish, which is the beef wellington, so good. Actually learned how to make it. Talk to me about it. If they were to steal the 49ers' one key recipe, it's running the ball 40 times. But instead, the 49ers were instantly down by 14 points and just dictated by the game pace. They only ran the ball 16 times to the Falcons' 40. That is the game right there, folks. The Falcons ran the ball 40 times, averaging 4.2 yards a carry. That's in the green. That's getting a first down. That's setting up third and short and getting a first down if you want to run it three times. If the if if an offense is averaging over three point whatever a carry. That means things are going okay. Things are going okay. And that is exactly what the 49ers love to do. And they had it on him. The 49ers 
Gave up 168 yards of rushing on the ground to the tune of 4.2 yards of carry. Marcus Mariota had eight, six carries for 50 yards. It seemed like every time he kept the ball or every time they ran an option play, a 49ers defensive end was crashing in to follow the running back, and he was like, swoop. Now, could that be what the 49ers defensive end is supposed to do? And maybe they've got your 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 linebackers that are supposed to scrape over and pick up the quarterback? Maybe, but they sure as hell weren't doing it. And we know the easiest way, now there's all kinds of other schematic problems that probably arise from this, easiest way to cover a read option quarterback is to have your defensive end hit that quarterback no matter what. They did it to Colin Kaepernick in the Super Bowl. You tell that defensive end, especially when the play is going away from them, that they're probably not going to make anyways. You've got homies over there to make the tackle. Your scrape, your your crash down the line of scrimmage rarely is going to make that play unless you're like a Nick Bosa. But just go hit that quarterback because every time he runs that read option, he is a runner, and you could hit him because he's making that exchange and he's counting on you to pursue the running back rather than him. It makes him a runner. But instead, 49ers defensive ends just kept crashing down and Marcus Mariota just kept running right around him, including once for a touchdown. It was like the 49ers had never practiced this. It was a little odd to watch because NFL teams know how to defend that type of option running. But, you know, you're still at a disadvantage because that's one less guy getting in on the play that has to stay dedicated to the quarterback. But the 49ers didn't really dedicate anybody to the quarterback, and that's how why the quarterback ran for 8.3 yards of carry and a tutty. So just a little weird. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A little weird. The 49ers defense, with all its injuries, and again, that that just has to be where you start. Just seemed did not seem prepared for. Did not seem prepared for what the Falcons had to throw at them. They just didn't. They had a few good good stops in there. They they just didn't. The final time, the final drive. So we've got injuries have transformed this team. The offense fell short. Jimmy Garoppolo was a little erratic. The 49ers got 49er. Uh, my last takeaway is. Uh, final drive time management. The 49ers were going about that final drive as if it was the third quarter. They they were down by two scores in the fourth quarter and had a drive last eight minutes and eight seconds. It was their longest drive of the day, and they didn't score. They turned the ball over on downs. 
That is altogether inexcusable. You can't have an eight-minute drive taking up half the quarter, even if you did score, because you're just completely, like, every single play you run, if you're taking up that much time, you could just see your chance of winning drop. Bink, 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 bink. And the 49ers just kept cruising, acting like everything was good. It was weird. It was like, are you? do you want to win the game? Because you're going to have to be more aggressive. You're going to have to push the ball down the field. So at the very least, an incomplete pass stops the clock. It was just driven all the way down the field, and then they just turned the ball. And they threw the ball on fourth and one to close out the drive. It's like, look, I know you're trying to preserve the clock, but you've already used eight minutes of it, and you're facing a fourth and one. You might want to run the ball in that instance. And they did it. They threw it. It was a bad pass. It was incomplete. And that's basically the end of the game for them. So it was just a weird game. I'm not sure if Kyle Shanahan was in his bag. Um, Again, they had some success. They scored 14 points in the first half and then put up a goose egg in the second half. So when it comes to adjustments, when it comes to finishing the game, the Falcons did it a lot better than the 49ers did. Now, again, all the Falcons did in the second half was score one touchdown and then went punt, punt, punt. The 49ers just couldn't get out of their own way. Punt, punt, interception, turnover on downs, game's over. So just like Jimmy Garoppolo said in the post-game press conference, a lot of self-inflicted stuff. And that's really what it comes down to. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Brandon Ayuk as a big-time standout. Both he and George Kittle had eight catches for 83 yards. Brandon Ayuk just added two touchdowns on top of that, which was impressive. Brandon Ayuk looked good. Uh, he looked like the forty, far and away the 49ers' best receiver. Now, you anybody who watched the 49ers know Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. They're just not the same. Brandon Ayuk is a genuine, genuine. I, I remember somebody mentioned the fact that I say genuine. I have heard other people say that too, by the way. Brandon Ayuk is your genuine number one receiver. And then Debo Samuel's your do-it-all number one A to Brandon Ayuk's B, I guess. I think Brandon Ayuk is capable of a lot more than he's doing. And I think this game was a little bit of a glimpse on how much he's doing. It would not surprise me if I went back and in-depth watched the film from the last games that Brandon Ayuk was probably open enough to be targeted 11 times like he was against the Falcons. He was targeted more than any other player. That's probably him every game. He's just so good that I guarantee you he is open far more than he's targeted, which is always the case for receivers. But I'm talking about being so open that it should demand more targets. And maybe this is the start of that. So Brandon Ayuk was a huge, huge standout. Did well. It was really cool to just see him completely ball out. Charles Omenehu seemed like he had a bigger piece of the pie on the defensive line. He did pretty well. Had four tackles and a sack and a tackle for loss. Uh, that looked pretty good. Samson Ebukam, shout out to him, man, for just grinding through whatever he was going through. It was clear that he's in a lot of pain, but he kept going back out there. Ended up with eight total tackles and two tackles for loss. And that was it. Him and Drake Jackson were the only two, or uh, excuse me, Omenahu and Jackson were the only two sacks on the 49ers defense. And that just tells you how much they were missing. But at the same time, shout out to the 49ers offensive line. Didn't give up a single sack all game. That's rare. And, uh, and that's great, considering you're still out. Trent Williams, uh, Mike McGlinchey was out. Daniel Brunskill was coming in at tackle. You know, there was a lot of shifting around. And to not give up a single sack, that's, uh, that's good. But you could see, I mean, the 49ers were making a habit of getting five, six, seven sacks a game, and they only managed two against the Falcons. And 
you know, that just shows how much Nick Bosa elevates that defense, how much Eric Armstead elevates that defensive front. Uh, I, you know, Javon Kinlaw is, is yet to kind of make his presence felt on that group, but it's clear that they, you know, hey, surprise, they missed Nick Bosa, but it is what it is. Hopefully he's back in for the next game. So let us, let us wade into your takeaways. Let us wade into your takeaways. All right, because we know now here's I've I've been able to make a a solid scientific deduction. When the 49ers lose, we get way more takeaways. I think we have 75 right now. When the 49ers win, we had like 20. <laughs> Which I get it. You're upset, you want to be heard, let's roll. Let's roll. And now I'm going to have to fly through these. I'm going to get to as many of these as I can. Right now we are at 30 minutes exactly. It's perfect. Let's go for 15 minutes of takeaways. Now I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to not give you your due time. Just understand that everybody's participating. I'm gonna try to get to many as many people as I can. This time, just to switch things up, I'm gonna start at the top and I'm gonna work my way down. I usually start at the bottom, work my way up. Let's see how this goes. Starting off, a friend of the pod, Mike McVay. Watch the game. Felt like watching a good friend feed a high roller slot machine with hundreds for three hours and only hitting twice for fourteen hundred, but losing twenty eight two hundred eighty thousand. Injuries show today. We can only hope things get better. Absolutely. You would hope that the 49ers have, I'm knocking on wood, reached the bottom when it comes to injuries. And like I said, that was very apparent today. But you are hoping things get better. Richie Rich, the Falcons have a top five run game in football and the losses of Kinlaw, Bosa, and Armstead were too much for them to overcome versus that great of a run game. I agree. Like we said, they got 49ers. They got 49ers. That's the word. Um, the, the, the Falcons ran a 49ers type game plan and, um, the 49ers are jealous. Kyle Shanahan's jealous right now. So it's exactly the case. Richie Rich, they, they did truly establish a very, very good run game against the 49ers, which were the best team in football, I believe against the run. So, you know, again, injuries, Alan Chi, San Francisco, the San Francisco injuries cannot compete in the NFC as it is. Hopefully they can get healthy enough to remain competitive, but I'm not confident. 2018 or 2020 season, take your pick. Feels the same to me. Man, that's heartbreaking to read. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but it's just it's so clear how good this team can be. And they're just getting destroyed by injuries. And some bad mistakes. I mean, they were pretty healthy against the Broncos. They lost that game. They were pretty healthy against the Bears. They lost that game. I mean, that game was weird, but y'all know what I'm saying. Jeffrey K. Lyles, another friend of the pod, started off with, with Mike McVay, Alan Chi, and Jeffrey Lyles. And Richie Rich, if you're a friend of the pod and you've been jumping in here, then that's my bad for not recognizing the name. Just stay at it. I'll pick it up. But Jeffrey K. Lyles has always been here. Another guy that I appreciate. Too many Niner fans are front runners. The sky is falling after every loss. Despite losing starters every week, they need to just watch the Nolan era for the rest of the season. McLeod and Warner's drops hurt. Dwelly rarely drops passes. Time for Danny Gray. Danny Gray was actually out, uh, I believe, with an injury. So unless he was just straight up inactive, but I thought he was, he was out with an injury. Um, but yes, I would like to see him get in the lineup and what he can do because you, the 49ers would probably rather Danny Gray be running those routes versus Raymond McLeod. He's kind of just your return guy. Uh, new looks. Jimmy is ready to ball. Got to get healthy and they can catch fire. Lots of football left. You know what? I agree with that. I, I Over the last two games, when you look at what Jimmy Garoppolo did against the Panthers and what he did today against the Falcons, he's shown some serious flashes and a way more aggressive style of pushing the ball down the field. And it's been fun to watch. It, it hasn't always worked out, 
but I've loved the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has been chucking the ball down the field. And uh, it does seem like this team can catch fire. If they get a few of those guys back, if Traverius Ward's injury is not bad, if Nick Bosa is healthy and ready to come back, you know, just those two right there make you a much better football team. And let's say Eric Armstead finally get back, gets back out there. Then you're really moving. Manuel Mosley's injury helps, but just having those types of players back, you know, maybe Jimmy Ward uh, only misses a couple weeks um, and they put a, you know, big cast on his hand and he's out there. They can catch fire. I agree. Tony Culler, team's not deep enough to withstand these injuries and still expected to be dominant every matchup. Um, I agree with that. I wouldn't necessarily say the team's not deep enough as an insult. There are probably zero teams in the NFL that can survive this amount of injuries, that can survive being the most injured team. But I, I do think it's fair to say that they can't have these amount of injuries and still be expected to dominate. I think that's a fair way of putting it. I don't necessarily think that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan does, haven't done their job by the team not being deep enough to withstand these injuries. It's just the nature of the NFL, man. You can't have a bunch of Trent Williams running around without paying them like a bunch of Trent Williams. You know, you can really only have one at each position. Mr. Miller, Shanahan should start feeling the heat about the offense and hasn't scored more than 17 points in five of the six games this year. He ran Lance into injury and a struggle last season until Debo saved the day and the offense still didn't play well in the playoffs. I mean, that's a great post right there. That's just... The big one to me hasn't scored more than 17 points in five of the last five of the last six games, or five of the six games this year. So, I mean, and that's really what it comes down to. It's something we said on the pod a while ago. Was look, I understand that Jimmy Garoppolo may not be the quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wants right now, but Trey Lance got hurt. Whether or not you think that's Shanahan's fault, that's up to you. But you've got Jimmy Garoppolo. He has limitations. You need to. Twist and warp this offense however you need to to make it the most efficient for Jimmy Garoppolo. And scoring less than 17 points in five or six games when Shanahan is your coordinator is unacceptable. Great post, Mr. Miller. Uh, Mr. Chuck, we need to get healthy. 100%. We're talking about it. it it's true. It, it is that simple. Uh, Kev, is having, Kev is having his 288th Joker origin story in 2022. Said, feed Ayuk number one. I agree. Like I said, I think more Ayuk is out there to be had. They just have to keep targeting him. Uh, and it's tough to think that after this type of game with Jimmy that they won't start targeting Ayuk more. I started him in fantasy, by the way. Team cannot consistently piece it together for a team with annual Super Bowl aspirations. The ultimate, this ultimately fails on, falls on coaching. Um, some of it does. I, I, I mean, obviously, it's true, though. It, Everything falls on Kyle Shanahan, but it's really the, – the amount of injuries is just so odd, and I wish I had a solution for it. I mean, it's just weird. Um, what's up with Kyle's lack of urgency? I agree. That fourth quarter drive was pretty inexcusable in my opinion. So, good point. Brandon Matthews, we don't need to panic. We're going to be much better next week with hopefully a bunch of defensive starters back. Offense was good, just not good enough. Uh, I mean, I agree, but it needs to be good enough. Like. It has to be good enough. If especially if they're trying to deal with these defensive injuries, the offense has to be good enough. Now, the 49ers offense is it built to be this Chiefs high-powered race engine that can just put up 40 on the drop of the hat, even though I think the Chiefs are just held to like 17. It has to find a way to make up for it. And I, I feel like with the amount of credit we've given Shanahan with being the man behind the play sheet, he's gotta find a way to get this group producing more. He just it's it's whether or not that's fair is kind of irrelevant. It just has to be the case. So, in a way, I, I, I mean, 
when they get those defensive starters back, they will be much better, but the offense has to be good enough to keep this team afloat. Can't just waste a defense like this. Shane Flores, Flores, lack of effort on the defense, poor execution by the receivers and tight end, and lack of creativity in the run game. Being severely injured does not help the defense, but offense does, doesn't have many excuses when Jimmy is balling out like that. I agree. I agree. Jimmy Garoppolo had the defense moving. He made some mistakes, but again, at least 75 yards of offense were just left on the field. And then you've got a, a few penalties in there that also erased a big game. Jimmy Garoppolo made a fantastic throw. Um, kind of like on a corner route to Ayuk where he toe-tapped and got out of bounds on a, on that eight-minute drive, and it got wiped out from a Jake Brendel holding call that was kind of a shit call, but he got absolutely steamrolled, and kind of the guy kind of went down with him, and so they called holding. And I think right at the beginning of the steamroll, he kind of grabbed around his head or his shoulders, and it seemed like he could have brought him down with him. So I understand why they threw the holding, but I mean, and Jake Brendel erased that play. One, don't get steamrolled. Two, don't hold. So, guys, not much you can do about the injuries. They are what they are. True. It is more deflating. You have a great team derailed by injuries or just a bad team. No, I think they're a great team that's currently being derailed by injuries. They're a good team. They should be a great team that's somehow performing like a good team that's now even further stepped back because of the injuries. Shandy does a good job scheming stuff. Uh, off. Ske- Hold on. Shandy does a good job scheming. It says scheming stove offensive line issues. I. I Key scheming around offensive line issues, but when was the last stretch where the offense was actually scary? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It looked sort of scary against the Panthers, but that's against the Panthers. Chris Purvis, when defense is down seven starters, going to be tough. Of course, Atlanta looked hungry. Executed long drives, key drops, team sloppy, outplayed everywhere. Got to get healthy and stay that way, or it could be a real ugly Bosa and Mooney Ward got be got to be back or in major trouble. I agree. I agree. Uh, Tommy, a team is only as good as its players. We're missing too many, but still could have won that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, you think you take away the Jeff Wilson Jr. fumble six. That's now a one touchdown game. And then Jimmy Garoppolo's interception. Maybe uh, Kittle adjusts his route. And Jimmy Garoppolo brings that ball down. That's a touchdown. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things in every game. And, and I feel like the 49ers just made one or two more mistakes than they could keep up with. Um, now we've got JGCPA 2120 Niners have no chance to compete if they don't run the ball better. That's absolutely true. Again, the 49ers ran the ball 16 times for 50 yards. That's 3.1 yards per carry. Jeff Wilson Jr. Had that fumble that was returned for a touchdown and only averaged 3.6 yards per carry. That's very okay, but probably not enough for the 49ers to do what they need to do. Donnie Moylan. When are people going to realize that Shanahan is an overrated play caller? I mean, I haven't realized it yet, but I I probably wouldn't laugh at somebody who said that. You know, like I'm not laughing at you. If somebody told me that Shanahan was overrated as a play caller, uh, I might listen to it. You know, I think that uh, he's at least earned that, given how poorly the offense has produced so far with some pretty major skill players. Ryan Harrington, something's up with Kyle. He's got to change it up because his offense is bad. I think it's a great way of putting it. I mean, I, I don't know what's up. Something's up with Jack. Uh, um, but we'll see. We'll see if there's anything you can change. Trade for Kishin McCaffrey? I'm not sure that would solve the problem. But, I mean, man, that'd be fun to watch. Ryan Dooney, 49ers can actually be downfield threat on offense, even with Jimmy Garoppolo at QB. I agree. We've seen him throwing it downfield, and there's been some opportunities there. Receivers need to help him out, though, and take those chances. Like to see Kyle's use more use more downfield throws to open up the run game, but nice to see Kittle back in the passing game. Good points. 
Good points. It has been cool to watch Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball downfield. That bad man. Our defense is missing a lot of starters. Got outplayed. End of story. Yep, that is the end of story. I mean, they did. They did. But, I mean, you got to look at the fact that 49ers offense only managed 14 points. That's rough. Phil Edwards, why do we have so many top offensive players in a QB that is playing well but not scoring points? Kyle Seat should be hot. That's a great way of putting it. Why do we have so many top offensive players and a quarterback that's playing well but we're not scoring points? Kyle Sheets should be hot. Uh, that's a good way of putting it. I, I really do think that's a solid way of putting it. Jolly Green, start the final drive at the one and burn eight minutes, get no points. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Not going in a hurry up and then inside the red zone, third and one, and they pitched to Coleman when we converted every QB sneak was an awful call. That's a great point. That's a great point. And then they, then they threw it again on fourth and one. They pitched it on third and one, and then threw it on fourth and one. And there you go. There's the end of the drive. There's your lo- your your loss. Noel Seguri. Hopefully I said that name right, man. Health will be a challenge all season. Man, I hope not, but it's sure looking like that's the case. Lanch Key Kid complaining. Shanahan coaches from a place of fear and deserves his record. I think that there is some some uh, some significance to that. I think that there's some 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 fact there. I, it's it's hard for me to to like know that for sure to to really like cite references on how he's coaching from a place of fear. But I do believe there's probably some statistics that would back that up. Paul Wilson, those drops and penalties really took the air out of the offense in the second half. They did. You are absolutely right. I wish there was a breakdown. Let me see if I can click on this real quick. Let's go to quarter three. Does it say how many penalties they had in quarter three? It should. I'm just looking at the 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 game summary from the NFL. It usually tells you, okay, 49ers had no penalties in the third quarter uh, for yards. Let's go back to fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, they had three penalties for 20 yards to the Falcons, none. And a lot of those penalties, at least one of them, negated that Brandon Ayuk deep shot. Um, And there were some other ones on there that were pretty costly as well. I can't remember exactly what they are. I should take better notes. But the penalties really did sway that game. If anything, you're saying it's a holding call and it's minus 10 yards, and now it's second and 20. Like, good luck in the NFL working with that. Uh, Matthew Hutton, Jimmy was throwing darts finally, and people were dropping the ball left and right. Yes, they were. But penalties and not being able to stop the run or establish the run were two biggest downfalls, if you ask me. I like that. I like that. The penalties, not being able to establish the run, and not being able to stop the run. It was all, you know, we've talked about it. The 49ers are all about running the football, and they couldn't do it, and they couldn't stop it. They got 49 ers Woody Moniker, we have to get to the bottom of why this is possibly the most injured franchise in history over the last five years. <laughs> I mean, seriously, uh, how do we get to the bottom of it? If it's something the coach is doing, some something in how we practice, then it has to be addressed. I mean, how much of it can we just chalk up to shit luck and it being football? How much? You know, if the 49ers really have consistently been, been among one of the most injured teams in the NFL, then how do you not look into it? And I think the only year they weren't one of the most injured teams in the NFL was when they went to the Super Bowl. She's like, damn, is it just dumb luck? Andrew O, Sean Payton is coach of the Niners next season. Damn. It's getting real real quick, isn't it? We'll see. Dan Bergen, Bugarin? Dan Bugarin? Bugarin. Either way. 
39 rushes going to hurt any team. Too many tackles beyond the line of scrimmage. And as usual, a mobile quarterback beats us. You're 100% correct. You know what was weird? Uh, Fred Warner did not look like he had a great game. It looked like he was kind of lost out there. So that could be completely wrong and reactionary. I did see him make some plays, but it did look like he was really struggling out there. Um, There's no chance I can pronounce this. Sizzlard Dennis. Man, I know I just slaughtered that. I feel so bad. Zillard Dennis. 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 I don't know, man. I'm doing my best out here. This one was not on Jimmy. Huge drop, drops and key moments made is made us pay. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put that loss on Jimmy for sure. Uh, you know, I I I do think it's a problem that the offense only managed 14 points. But he didn't quite see enough bad play from Jimmy Garoppolo to say, yeah, that's on him. We've seen it before, and I, I don't really think that was. Jay Hux, is there any center in the league worse than Brendel? We knew this was a problem at the beginning of the year, and they've done nothing. When Mike McGlinchey isn't the worst online on the field, there's an issue. I mean, I'm not really going to argue with that. I did think sticking with, like, rolling the dice with Brendel was, uh, was a risky decision. And it seems like that rears its ugly head at least a couple times a game. Champion, I don't understand how every time the 49ers play on turf, half the team gets hurt. No other team has this issue. And there might be some credence to that, too. I'm not sure no other team has that issue, but it does seem like every time the 49ers play on turf, someone is getting hurt, and then the the, the magnifying glass turns to the turf, which, like I said, could be a huge part of the problem. But it seems like the 49ers also have something going on, too. Chad Wetzel, huge, huge hung around. Execution was subpar, and the defense doesn't have the same pop with backups. It's fair. 100% fair. 100% true. Just a guy. Injuries aside, too many team errors. Missed tackles, bad angles, overthrows. About 75, 80 yards missed from drop passes. Team loss today. It really did come come from a lot of places. It, it was hard for me to put one, one spotlight on one bad thing. Claire said, I'm frustrated that there are so many offensive mistakes, but I'm not too concerned about this loss. The NFC is still wide open. Very true. And hopefully we can get healthy and stay that way as the season goes on. Very reasonable post, Claire. Very reasonable. You just sound relaxed and ready to contribute. <laughs> I mean, it's it's frustrating loss, but the team can definitely come back. They're still a good team. They've got to get some players healthy. And they just have to execute a little bit better, which is essentially what you said. And I like it. Rick Deuce Nueve. Jimmy dropped some dimes. Unfortunately, so did our receivers. Shake my head. Need to need our D to get healthy ASAP. Man, don't we all? Don't we all just need our D to get healthy ASAP? Sorry, that's inappropriate, but it was pretty funny. And it was just right there, low-hanging fruit. Anyways, um, I agree. I agree. It was it was cool to see Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball like that. Tough watching people drop it. Or get wiped out by penalties. Willie M, if they can't get healthy, they might lose the rest of the games they play. Oof, that's a tough prospect. Prospect. We need to get healthy. And then it had a little gif of somebody, you know, almost a full body cast. Basically just lower body. Mike Miller, injuries, catching the ball, play calling. Jimmy needs to figure out how to bring down high throws. He does have high throws often. Like I said, the one to Kittle that I thought was high, uh, the one to Debo that ended up with an interception. And it does seem like people are constantly having to jump up there and get his passes, which is tough. Um, And I think that has to do with probably something that a a throwing coach could catch immediately, something about back foot, something about allowing those shoulders to probably dip back a little bit, changing the trajectory of the ball. Enrique Gonzalez, not good losing games versus NFC. It's true. It's true because that's a very early tiebreaker. You know, if you 
you got the same record in the NFC West, then boom, I think that's the next tie record. Uh, tiebreaker. Jade's easy. Wide open drops. Yes, sir. Cat just has a gif of that girl trying to catch the ball and just completely dropping it, uh, which is what we saw today. Nick Young, for being an offensive genius, Kyle, Kyle has a terrible offense. Uh, I mean, shit, look at it. Yeah, I mean, they've got some injuries on the offensive line, but they're struggling to run the ball, which relates. But they've also got a decent quarterback with a very good crop of playmakers, and they're just not putting much together. Who is responsible for so many injuries? I do not know, Eric. I do not know. I wish I did. I know that teams fire their medical staff sometimes, so if teams are doing that and the 49ers did it as Kyle and John took over, then does that mean that that's them saying it's their fault? Joseph Wraith, Kyle's play calling was not good that last drive. Running back draws, wide receiver screens, pitches all behind the line of scrimmage, down by 14. What the hell? Yep. I agree. 100%. Got nothing to even counter that with. Pierre Woodley, our D-line is decimated. That is all. (laughs) It truly is. It truly is. DJ Cabral, injuries on the D-line caught up with them. They couldn't stop the run and lost containment on the edge. They did. Constantly lost contain, which is kind of like your basic, basic, basic bread of football. Telenoa Sefanga. <laughs> Second string defense is not as good as the starters. Who would have thought? It's a good point. Uh, Mr. Rowe knows the entire team needs to be blessed by every single religion on earth to cure the bad juju that's on this team. Damn. I mean, uh, you're, you're out of options. You might as well. Fuck, if they got beat on, uh, this is Drew Prado. Uh, if they got beat on to Kansas, if, Fuck it, they got beat on to Kansas City. Let's go beat the Chiefs at home next week and get back on track. Man, that would be a hell of a win to get you back on track. Back on track. All right, well, that's all I can. I mean, that's 20 minutes. I said I was going to do 15. I did 20 minutes of takeaways. It looks like I got about two-thirds of the way. I just I don't want to draw it on too long. But I, I, I wholeheartedly appreciate everybody for contributing to those takeaways. It just makes the pod more fun. I love hearing from you guys. And uh, sometimes you guys just have some great, Great thoughts on it, and um, it's a tough loss, but it's not the worst loss. I do think the 49ers can recover. I do think they can bounce back. Even, I mean, I can they beat the Chiefs? Yes, absolutely. They're going to need some things to go their way. Uh, they're going to have to play a great brand of football. Um, but, man, a, a win against Chiefs at home would just send that place into a frenzy. The 49ers would feel like they're back on track. They'd get a winning record. Um, but, you know, they've got – we talked about it. The 49ers have a – incredibly difficult slate of football coming up and it would have been nicer to go into it with some 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 momentum right now they're three and three instead of four and two now they've got the chiefs then they've got the rams then they've got the uh, they've got a bye week that'll be nice then they've got the chargers then they've got the cardinals saints dolphins bucks seahawks like that is a not every team on there is like oh shit we got to play this team type of team but that is a rough slate of games all of which will probably push this team in one way or another I mean, it is the NFL, but you know what I'm saying. Like, there's not really anything on that slate that I just said that I would be ready to call a gimme, not with what we've seen from this 49ers team this year. So, tough loss, tough break. Um, shout out to my, Brandon Ayuk in his, in his two-tutty game. That's That was fun to watch. I'm just trying to leave on a, on a high note. Um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, go see Halloween Ends if you want to. Just don't expect much. It was okay. It's on Peacock if you just want to pay like $4.99 or get a free trial. Check it out. It's a little weird. Um, I love that it's October. I love that it's cooling down. I love that it's Halloween time. I mean, I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm excited. And I don't want to get a potential spam call while I'm trying to sound out my podcast. Thank you very much. 
And did you notice that like the potential spam calls have advanced to always being your area code now? It's trash. Hate it. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Strike and Gold podcast. I appreciate it more than I could ever let you know. Um, but I'm going to let you know after every episode because that's how we do it. Uh, make sure you're listening, downloading, subscribing, passing it on to a friend. Uh, I appreciate it. It's all on you guys. It's all on you guys. Hopefully the 49ers can turn it around this week. Oh, one thing I do want to say. It's been two weeks where I haven't previewed the game. I've just had a, a insanely busy couple of weeks. That will change. I will be on this week previewing the Chiefs game. And, um, and hopefully I'll be there at the game come Sunday. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. But for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we're signing out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.